0: Welcome to Southside Community Church. Enjoy our Sunday morning message. Alright, I just want to take a moment and kind of look out and not lose sight of the fact that this is a really cool church family. Like, look at this, this is awesome. And Ben's here! Ben! What's up, Ben? Ben! It's my guy, Ben. Some of my basketball coaches back there. What a world. What a day. I wasn't expecting that, Ben. But my... Man, that's awesome. <laughs> and Sean laughed at me, which is normal, so that's good. I just I didn't want to get past the moment of, we have real people here, and I have real relationships with you guys. Couldn't be more excited. So, um, we are going to talk about contentment again, and... Um, I talked the, was it the day after Christmas? 26, the day after Christmas I got to preach on contentment. Um, And we talked about uh, just the ways that Paul found contentment. And the question that we asked and assessed last time that we we were together is, what do you do? What do you do when you have this inward feeling uh, in your heart that comes when things are just a little bit off? A lot of times it comes with the winter Um, this year was the first year I got a natural light lamp. Is that what it's called? Um, like it's in my office. It shines like led madness into my face to remind me that the sun is out there somewhere and it's going to be okay. And the reason I talked about contentment right after Christmas is because oftentimes Christmas is a letdown, um, because you have these wild expectations that don't get met. And for me as a kid, I got gifts that I didn't ask for. And a lot of times it just comes from a heart of discontentment. So what do you do when you have unmet expectations? When you have the feeling of wanting more, of dissatisfaction? What do you do when uh, you're, you've got a gut wrench? And I've said this many times, but Melissa and I call it being gutty. It's like you can't explain how you're feeling, but you know that like pterodactyls are playing tennis in your stomach, and it's like, I can't explain it. I don't know why. It just is there. What do you do? In December, we talked about an English Puritan from the 1600s who was asking the same question and really dedicated his life to the same questions. Um, his name is Jeremiah, Jeremiah Burroughs. And he assessed over his life that if Christians could hold on to one thing, If there is one thing that you should be fighting for every single day, it's that Jesus would make you content with what you have. He wrote a whole book about it. It's called The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment. And I don't know where Tyler is, but I would have made a joke for Tyler because we talk about that book a lot. The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment. In the 1600s, Jeremiah Burrow knew that contentment is a rare jewel. It's something that's kind of hard to grasp. The title of the book is enticing to me because it implies that contentment is something that if you get, you need to hold on to it. The way that the Bible talks about the jewel, the the pearl of great prize, is that you would sell everything that you have to get it. And that's how Burroughs thought of contentment with Jesus, that you could get rid of everything as long as you were content with Christ. It's a rare jewel, and it's rare because it's hard to grasp. And contentment is this crazy thing, and we talked about this last time, because I would say if we did a survey, you would, I mean, it would come back, because it's just how it is, that once you get contentment, if it's found in anything other than Christ, you lose it faster than you get it. Because the thing that you thought was going to bring you contentment is just a letdown. It's not as cool as you thought it was. And it wasn't as you know experiential as you thought it would be. And it lets you down, and so you need to find something else. And so your contentment disappears just like that. Here's how Jeremiah Burroughs describes contentment. This is in your notes. Yep, in your notes. Christian contentment is that sweet, inward, quiet, gracious frame of spirit, which freely submits to and delights in God's wise and fatherly disposal in every condition. That's a long quote, so I'm going to read it again. Christian contentment is that sweet, inward, quiet, gracious frame of spirit, which freely submits to and delights in God's wise and fatherly disposal in every condition. I just want to take a second to stop in on this quote again. What Burroughs is saying is that Christian contentment is that your inward being at all times is quieted and at rest. And your quieted, restful, inward being trusts that God has it under control. So you're not just quiet and restful But you are also trusting that no matter what happens, God actually has it under control. And now that's a kind of a Christian cliche. God's got it. But that's the reality that God's got it. And not only does God have it under control, but God is giving you strength that no matter what life throws at you, you're steady. Every condition that you have, you're steady. Now that's a great description. And I want that, and I told you the last time that our goal for the end of 2022 was that we would begin the journey of contentment. So when we revisit, uh, I don't, is it a leap year? I don't know. But maybe two days after Christmas, we're going we're gonna to have a survey, and we're going to say, Where, where's your journey here? The, the goal is that you're just on the, you begin the journey of contentment. And it's been a month since I preached on contentment, and I'm really thankful that contentment is a process, because... Not an expert. Not an expert at all. So we're going to continue here in Philippians 4, 11 through 13. We're going to look at Paul in prison as a case study towards contentment. So let's read Philippians 4, 11 through 13 here. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So we talked about this last time as well, but Paul wrote this letter to the Philippians from a Roman jail. And conditions in Roman jail were not good. I mean, it, it would be hard to find a worse place to be in prison than Roman jail. Now, I will say, if you do some history lesson on it, you're going to find that Paul was a Roman citizen. So he got a couple extra, like he was allowed to have food, which was nice. But he still was in a really hot cell with other prisoners and was not treated very well and in some places was actually underground. So he's in Roman prison, not a great place. While he was in Roman prison, okay, he had some Christians who were trying to do gospel work with him, who, he writes in the beginning of Philippians, worked to afflict him in jail. So I mean, I mean that's pretty mean, right? Like you're expecting your Christians to help you, your brothers to help you, but they they were working to afflict him while he was in jail. He was also taken away from his community, and he was taken from his best friends, and he was taken from everything that he had, and he all, all of the The abundance that he had was now gone. It wasn't a good situation, but Paul was able to write this at the end of the letter. He was able to say, no matter what, I have learned how to be content. Last time we talked about the how. How did Paul learn contentment? He learned it over a long period of time. And we talked, the the first idea of contentment is that contentment is a process and the how that God uses a lot of times, and this is what Paul says, is that he, was, he learned how to be brought low and He learned how to abound. And so the how is that sometimes God allows you to be brought low. And sometimes He allows you to have abundance. But in everything, He is trying to teach you contentment. And the practical thought was this, that God is using every circumstance of your life to teach you how to be content. That's the how. The how of contentment is that nothing is wasted. Nothing. This morning, we're going to talk about the what. What Paul actually learned. The what is a little bit easier to talk about because it's just kind of truth. The how is the difficult part. You know, you can learn that God's with you. The how is that God's with you when it really sucks. And that's tough, you know, or stinks. I don't know. I don't know what I'm allowed to say here. (laughs) You guys are alive. That's good. Um, What did Paul learn about contentment? Here's what did he, what does he say here in, in verse 12? He said, I have learned the secret of contentment. The what is a secret A secret is something that you're supposed to tell your sister um, that, I don't know, you didn't clean your room, you stuffed everything under your bed, you tell your sister, and you're expecting her to not tell your parents, because it's a secret, but she does anyway. Um, Also, a secret is something that's kept unknown or unseen by others. In the heart of a secret, this is amazing, the heart of a secret is that if you are the person telling the secret or receiving the secret, you are in a, a society A small group of people who gets to know the secret. And everyone else is outside of that. It's like you get your own little tight-knit community of secret holders. And if you're really good at keeping secrets, it's like a badge of honor. People say, you can tell me I'm really good at keeping secrets, right? This particular secret, the secret of contentment, is a secret that everyone is allowed in on. And Paul called it a secret because if you don't know the ins and outs of the secret of contentment, it's going to be really, really hard to find contentment. It's going to feel like an inside joke when someone tells you, I'm okay with the lot that I have in life. I don't need anything else. I don't have any want. You're going to be like, how is that possible? But when you get the secret, when you get the secret, you become a part of the tight-knit community of contented people. And Paul writes about satisfaction in 1 Timothy 6.6 6, as a great treasure. He's, If you can hold on to that, you've got something special, an unlocked secret, that it's hard to get. So growing up, I loved the National Treasure movies. Um, if anyone's seen those with Nicolas Cage, they're amazing because... And I don't really love bad action movies, but I just love treasure hunts. So I was all about these movies. And in the second movie... It was, uh, it's called National Treasure, the Book of Secrets. And Nicolas Cage's character, who already like solved this mass, apparently there's 50 treasures in the United States that if you have, you know, you get all the, the perfect treasure hunters, you're going to find them. But his character, get this plot, so it's, you know, it's really crazy. His character is trying to prove that his great-great-grandfather did not help assassinate Abraham Lincoln. All right? That's the plot of the movie. He's trying to prove that his great-great-granddad did not help assassinate Abraham Lincoln. And it gets even crazier, all right? The way to prove it is that he had to discover a treasure. That's It was like if he found the treasure, it would prove his great-great-granddad did not helped to assassinate Abraham Lincoln. It's pretty logical, but there's a pivotal scene in the movie where Nicolas Cage is trying to solve a cipher. And a cipher is just like mixed up, is it just mixed up letters, and if you have the code to a cipher, you are in this society that will be able to understand what it means. And so there was a secret that um, you needed to decipher with the cipher. And he asks his dad, can you tell me the story again of You know, Thomas Gates, who's his great-great-grandfather. And so his dad holds his hand and he said, and he looked him in the eyes and he said with his dying breath, the debt that all men must pay. That was the secret that their family had for generations that they told over and over again. And at that moment, Nicolas Cage realizes that the secret was the answer to the cipher. All right? And when they solved the cipher... All of a sudden, they had a painstakingly successful treasure hunt. In this movie, the secret was the key that unlocked the treasure. Without the secret, couldn't have it. With the secret, the treasure was theirs. And Paul's saying in Philippians four ten through 13, that there are secrets to contentment, and if you have them, the treasure can be yours too. So let's talk about the secrets of contentment. I think that there are three that we see here in the passage, and so we're going to go through those. The three secrets are the keys that unlock the cipher of contentment. Secret number one is this. If you have Jesus, if you have Jesus, you already have everything you need to be content. Verse 11, Paul says this. Not that I am speaking of being in need. Do you think Paul had needs? I do. He was in jail. He probably wasn't getting the best food. He didn't have his community. He was betrayed by Christians. I'm Sure, he, he definitely had needs. But what is he saying? He's saying that he doesn't have any needs when it comes to being content. Everything that he needed... For contentment, God had already provided for him. He already had it. Hebrews 13.5 says this, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you had. For he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. And so Paul said that he learned how to find contentment by being brought low and also abounding. And so he had abundance at one point. He had all the money in the world. And as it's stripped from him and he's in jail, he's able to say, I don't need that anymore because I have everything that I need for contentment in Christ. And I played uh, s- slow-pitch softball for the last 10 years, uh, competitively, kind of all, you know, all over the United States. And by that, I mean Ohio and Virginia. Um, that's pretty much all, all you need to go. And at, at these slow-pitch softball tournaments, it's incredible because it's a really communal and there's always a boombox playing, and depending where you're at, there's some sort of music happening. And when I was in Virginia, it, it just was chance that it was in the mountains, and so there's a lot of country music played, and I didn't really listen to a t- whole lot of country music. But in 2015, there was this song that went viral, and it, the lyrics were this. It went, money can't buy me happiness, but it can buy me a boat. It can buy me a truck to pull it. And Sean used to play it for me, and he was like, this song's amazing! And I'm like... I don't get it, man. I don't. I really don't get it. But the lyrics, money can't buy me happiness, but it can buy me a boat. And it can buy me a a truck to pull it. When we're discontent, we love to test that theory out. We know it's, we can easily say, you know, money's not the thing that's going to buy us happiness, but money can buy the things that buy me happiness. Culture would tell us that their secret to contentment is That if you have enough money, you can buy enough things that will make you content. Paul's saying the secret is you don't need anything else. If you have Jesus, you don't need anything else. Psalm 84.11 For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. The promise and the secret of Jesus is that right now, you need, sorry, right now you have everything you need to be happy. Right now, in this instant, you have everything you already need to be happy. You don't need more for your life to not be a bummer. You don't. God is not withholding any good thing from you on your pursuit of contentment. You've already got it. That's the secret. That you don't need to look outside anymore. You think that if you get the thing, you're going to be content. But that thing's going to fall just like everything else. The secret is that God's not withholding anything from you right now. You already have it. You don't need anything else in your life to be happy. You've got everything you need. And David knew this when he wrote Psalm 23. Psalm 23, 1-2. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. To have the sweet, inward, quiet, gracious frame of spirit, to be able to have that comes with being able to say that I have a Lord that is my shepherd. And I don't need anything else. Not only do I not need anything else, I shall not want. My heart isn't even saying I want it. I'm acknowledging I don't need it, and also, I don't need to want it. Contentment comes with a shepherd who leads you beside still waters and green pastures. And the thing about contentment is that Jesus doesn't usually give you what you want He doesn't usually give you what you want. A lot of the times, when you begin to be content, you actually want what you already have. And when you realize that God has given you everything that you need for contentment, you begin to be really grateful for what you have. When you're discontent with what you have, you become really ungrateful for what you have. When you're discontented, if you think that you're owed something... If you feel like you're owed something, that's when discontentment creeps in. But when you realize that you have a shepherd who leads you, besides still waters, when you feel provided for, you actually begin to really want the things that you have. Instead of wanting and needing a bigger house, you begin to dream of ways that you could make your house amazing right now. Instead of needing a new job, I need a new job, I got to get out of that you actually begin to dig your heels in a little bit. You start to learn things about your job that you never cared about before. You dedicate yourself to it. You give give yourself over to it and you say, I'm gonna do this with excellence because my job doesn't give me satisfaction. It's no longer what I need to be content. Wanting what you already have looks like a a whole lot like contentment to me. And we're taught that the secret to contentment is to build an empire. If we can get more things, if we can build our name a little bit more, then we're going to be content. The secret is that you've already got everything that you need. What do you have? You've got a great shepherd who leads you beside still waters. You have a father that doesn't withhold any good thing. And you have a king that will never leave you or forsake you. Secret number one, if you have Jesus, you already have everything you need. Secret two: contentment is possible right now. And I mean this very second. 11,10, when it turns to like 11,11, 11, this second, contentment is possible now. Verse 11: I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Whatever situation that you're in, whatever situation that you're in, you can be content now. That's the lesson that Paul's teaching. Brought low, have nothing, content. Abound, you have everything, content. It's this that when Jesus is in your life, he actually makes it way better. It's real that when you get Jesus, the rest of your life is better right now. Let's look at the last part of our quote by Jeremiah Burroughs here. He says that Christian contentment is a heart that delights in God's wise and fatherly disposal to you. So it's one thing to accept your situation. It's one thing to to come to terms with it. You know, this is all I have and you know what? I've accepted it. But that's the fifth stage of grief, acceptance. Come to terms with it. Jesus offers so much more that you don't only have to accept your current situation, but you can be content in your current situation. And to delight in God's t- disposal towards you is to not only accept where you are, not only to come to terms with where you are, but to actually take a step back and say, I am taking great joy in the situation that God has given me right now. You don't need more. You don't need escape. The secret that Paul gives us is that in any in every situation, contentment is always at your disposal. In a prison. Yep. No heat at your house. Yep. Don't like my job. Yep. Things aren't working out how I thought they were. Yep. Graduated college. They told me I'd be married at 22 at my Christian university. I'm 30. Yep. There too. Every situation, you can be content right now. It's what God taught Paul. And that's why Paul was untouchable by everyone because they would try to strip him from things and Paul's like, it doesn't matter. I don't care. Take it. Sure, kill me. Awesome. Jail. Whatever. You cannot take the inward gracious spirit that I have. Can't do it. Untouchable. Because Jesus has given it to me. Now that's the what, and the what is pretty easy, because that's true. The how is difficult, because the how is that sometimes God allows you to go through some really hard things to teach you to be content. And the difficult thing about contentment is, and what Paul's teaching is, that we have to learn how to be able to say, I'm going through a hard thing right now, and God is using it to teach me how to be content. I don't need to escape it. I need to ask God, what are you teaching me so I can be content in every situation? This morning, I, I would guess that's what I would take from it is that consider how to be content right now in your current discontentment. If you're discontent, ask God, how can I find contentment in this? Because the second secret that unlocks the key to contentment. I mean this, I think this is the kicker, this is the big one. You can be content right now, always. That's a, that's a great key. Secret number three, and this is the end here: "The strength for contentment is given to you in Jesus." Now this is one of the most famous verses in the world, Philippians 4:13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, if you guys remember Tim Tebow, who was, you know, the Christian's favorite football player forever, and he beat the Steelers, so I'm really happy about that. He wore Philippians 4.13 underneath his, they call it eye black. Why he wore that on night games, don't ask me, but it was probably just to be able to write Philippians 4.13. And it's an amazing verse, and in context, it's like, it is the best, one of the best verses ever. It's that the purpose of this passage was Paul is giving away the best secret you could ever have. You can become a part of the society if you, if you believe this, if you trust this, that Jesus is giving you the strength to be content. It's only the strength of Christ that let Paul say, no matter what I have, No matter my situation, I'm content. Paul was not able to say, I can be brought low, I can abound, if it wasn't for the strength of Christ. Without the third secret, the first and the second secret don't matter. Because you can have the, the what of, if you got Jesus, you got everything you need to be content. Sweet. What's that mean? You can be content in every situation. Cool. I mean, thanks for telling me. But secret three, secret three unlocks the whole thing. The strength of Christ is what brings you through. And the last secret is that Jesus strengthens you to believe, not only to hear it and to know it, but Jesus strengthens you to believe that you already have everything that you need for contentment right now. No more needing or wanting. No, no more escaping. That's what Jesus is strengthening you to feel and experience. And so I'm gonna I can call up the the music team here and we're gonna finish. You don't you don't have to have want. And you don't need escape when you have Jesus. And guess what? The amazing part is that he actually goes to work with you. And so it's not just the strength of Jesus that you get. You also get Jesus. You don't get the strength of Jesus without Jesus. He's not a reservoir over here where you get to draw on some strength and when you you've know, you run out and so you've got to go back over here and get some more strength. The promise is that the strength of Jesus comes with Jesus. And so if you have Him, you've always got access to the strength of Christ at all times. At all times. That's the secret. That He will strengthen you to believe it to be true. And so, I would say this morning, my challenge to you is that by faith, by faith, begin to be content with your life. Jesus is going to be with you. I'm going to pray. Thank you for listening. Check out our website at SouthsideWorcester.com.